which that went, that went well, thank you for asking. Galatians 3. A lot of good things going on, everybody. In fact, uh, next week, we don't have them this week, but we, ha we have in our possession a brand new book that uh, we've released. It's called Helping People Receive Healing. I don't know of anything else like it. Um, teaching every believer how to be an instrument that God's healing can th flow through. And so we'll bring some of those next week. We always discount them big time for our rich, blessed, wealthy church members just to sow into you a little bit, you know, but praise the Lord. Um, over in the third chapter of Galatians, we just want to read to you the probably the verses you're most familiar with, the 13th and 14th verse, where it says, this is awesome, Christ redeemed us. Say those three words with me. Come on now. Christ redeemed us. Say it like you're happy about it. Christ redeemed us. Redeemed us from what? The curse of the law. A lot we could say about that more than I'll say right now. By becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So you see here that Christ took something negative out of our life, this thing called the curse. And uh, the curse of the law, referring to the law of Moses, the, the entire law of Moses in a sense was a curse uh, because it set boundaries that people could not pass beyond in your life. Now, in one sense, the law was a blessing because it allowed, if we stayed in those boundaries, it allowed God to bring a measure of his blessing and help to our lives. But the law was a curse in the sense that compared to the glorious liberty of the children of God, it was nothing. I mean, it just was, it held you back. Didn't you, you didn't have the freedom and the liberty and all that we have now and God living in us. You know what I'm saying? But then, uh, then, of course, over in the book of Deuteronomy, listed in the 20th chapter are curses of disobedience from disobeying the law. And if you look in those curses, that list of curses, uh, we, we a lot of times go there because you can look through and see, oh, I don't know, maybe two dozen different physical conditions that, uh, you know, sicknesses and different things that are listed. And then it goes on to say every sickness and every disease, even those that aren't written in this book will come on you for disobedience. They were the curses of disobedience. Well, we look at those because the good news is, if those are the curses of disobedience, then if we'll just not disobey and stay in obedience, we'll find out that that's something that Christ redeemed us from, all those sicknesses, all those diseases. But do you know that by far more even than the sicknesses that are listed there, is the curse of poverty and lack listed one verse after another after another and and actually more of those than there are talking about sickness and disease you'll plant a vineyard and somebody else will reap it and get the benefit of we've been redeemed from the curse in every area i need you to say amen a little better so i can turn this over but uh, we've been redeemed from the curse in every completely completely redeemed completely redeemed you have to believe that. The Bible says it. Christ redeemed us. If he redeemed us corporately, he redeemed me individually. He has redeemed me. He's bought me back from the curse. Everything that would subtract, everything that would be less than the abundant life that he's provided, that is the curse that has no place in our lives. Amen. It's true. It's true. Sin. Sickness, 
poverty, that has no place in our life. Will it try to show up? Yeah, it'll try to show up. But whose job is it to not give it place? That's our job. We don't give place what's trying to take a place. We, we don't allow, we don't, we don't even acknowledge the things that the enemy tries to bring in our life. So Christ redeemed us from these things. Glory to God. But he didn't just pull us out of what's negative and get us to even. He didn't just pull us out of deficiency, you know, if you're financially, if you're in the red. He didn't just pull you out of the red and get you to zero. Didn't just stop at verse 13. He also did verse 14. What's verse 14 say? So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing that Abraham experienced might come on the Gentiles. Glory to God. Listen, the curse had us in the, in the red. The curse had us negative. Christ redeemed us not just to get us to zero and to get us to even, but to take us where nobody in the world without Christ can go, to a place where the blessing of the Lord, the way Abraham experienced it, is upon us. He didn't just take something bad from us. His redemption added something to us that we didn't have before, couldn't have before, and now we are in possession of, and the Bible says that the blessing of Abraham is on us. If you are of faith, you are blessed with faithful Abraham. Glory to God. Well, that's a little can of worms. I just opened it up, and then, then I turn it over for her to get up and step into all of that. And how do you do that, you know? How do you do that? I don't know, but I, I sometimes can't help myself from opening jars and cans and then leaving, put, putting a little out there and then just leaving it there. And uh, it's my job to make it challenging for her. Amen. <laughs> hallelujah. So let's, uh, if, you, if you're ready to give today, if you have an offering, hallelujah. I, I just love, love to give, love to give, love to give. Matter of fact, I got mine. Hang on a second. We're going to honor the Lord today. Father, thank you. What a privilege it is to be in possession of our redemption. Thank you for all that you accomplished on our behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. You go right ahead. And then I'm going to turn it over to my wife. And, and y'all don't unhook. Stay hooked up. All right. Yeah, don't you get sleepy on me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So thankful for the word of God. So thankful for his, his goodness and his blessing upon our lives. Um, there's just been so much on our hearts as, as we grow in the things of of the Lord personally, but then as we minister throughout the country or, you know, as we just uh, are hanging around um, with some other ministers that, that help to press our faith further and farther and, and, and things, you know, we, we have a job to do as believers, yes. don't we? Uh, we have, there's a harvest to reap. Yes. Uh, Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful. That means there's enough work for every one of us. Glory to God. There, there, there's not anybody that needs to stay home and just, you know, uh, not, not worry about everything. Now, I understand there were people that already texted me and weren't coming today because of the weather. I understand that, you know. And, and if, if you have a car that doesn't do well on ice, then 
stay home and be safe. I, I'm not saying that because people aren't here today, but I'm saying there, there are people that will spend their lives, uh, they've given their heart to the Lord Jesus at one point in their life, and that's about as far as they go in their Christian walk. Um, they, they may or may not go to church, um, but really their, their, their purpose in going to a church, their purpose in getting, going to a Bible study is just uh, to benefit themselves. Now, there's nothing wrong. I mean, the Bible is there to benefit us, right? Yes. Amen. But when we start to grow and mature, like when I, I had babies, I, I mean, they, they, didn't, they didn't ask me at 2 or 3 in the morning, Mom, is it a good time to feed me because I am a little hungry right now? No, what did they do? They just wailed, right? They just started crying until I got myself out of bed and got there to take care of them. But my son is now 23 years old. Um, if he did that, if he, start, if he started crying and screaming from his bedroom and I was happened to be staying there with him and I ran up to his room to see what was going on, he said, I'm just so hungry. Would you bring me something to eat? I would say, what is your problem? I'd be call, I would be calling the doctor, right? Like, there's something wrong with this kid, right? And as Christians, it is our, our uh, duty, if we could say it that way, to grow up in the things of God. Yes. And so we've been spending um, a couple months now, as we're, as we're led, not every Sunday, but as we're led, we've been talking about the harvest, we've been talking about the last days, we've been talking about becoming fishers of men, and uh, 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 going, going out into our world that, you know, every one of us has a different day, every one of us, you know, our, our jobs are different, our, our location might be different, and, and so we are touching and seeing and reaching different people Amen. than each other. Other, every, day. Yes. every day and so you know some of us uh, may work in more of a Christian environment some of us have um, more of a ministry focus others you know you're you're praise the Lord in a secular school or the most liberal school in you know in the state whatever it is but there's gonna be opportunities for every one of us no matter where we are to reach somebody to touch somebody to pray for somebody to uh, to be aware to keep our spirits yes. aware of the harvest around us That's right. aware of the hearts around us and um, we were just uh, in uh, western New York there and we've told you about um, a dear minister friend of ours um, Bishop uh, uh, Bishop uh, Reed and he lives up in the Buffalo area he's 87 years old and he has just done a phenomenal life, <laughs> life's work with the things of God. And, and he, up in that Buffalo region, he's raised up a dozen churches or so out of his church. And uh, he's just really an apostle to that region. But b long before he hit Buffalo, he's, I mean, he traveled the world some. He, he traveled and uh, pastored Lester Summerall's church in the Philippines. He, um, he's just been around the block, if we could say it that way. And it's just wonderful to be able to hang out with men like that and, and just 
you know, tell me your stories. I, we, I just love to sit at the table and, you know, pull out my, my phone so I can take a couple notes here and there and, and listen to the stories of these men. And they've been around. But there, he said there was a time when his church wasn't growing, when he first start, pioneered his church, started his church, and, and, and things just weren't moving and weren't growing. And he said he found himself praying this prayer. He said he didn't want to pray it in the natural but he's found himself praying this prayer lord show me the world as you see it show me the world as you see it and he said he said you know i'm not a i'm not a prophet i don't have tons of visions and i you know jesus doesn't appear to me or things he said but i've had a few significant moments in my life and he said as um as he was praying that prayer, he said he was almost like his flesh was almost didn't want to pray that prayer because he almost didn't want to see the world the way God saw it, you know? He just wanted to keep to himself. He wanted to do the ministry the way he wanted to do it, the way he had seen others do it. And, you know, he just wanted to keep doing his own thing. But he was not progressing. He wasn't successful. And he said he found himself praying this, Lord, show me the world as you see it. And he said he saw in a moment of time, he saw the earth as you would like from outer space and he saw the hands of Jesus holding the earth and um, he said when, when he, the earth opened up and he saw a broken heart and um, he realized that there were millions of souls with broken hearts on this earth that needed the hand of God in their life needed the touch of God and he said that changed him forever you know, that, that moment, because that is the prayer we need to be praying. Lord, today, show me the world as you see it. Mm-hmm. Show me these people as you see them. Why? Because that is what we're here for. Mm-hmm. That is what our objective is. That's our mission, if we could say it that way. You say, well, I, you know, Pastor Amy, I'm not called to the ministry. I don't have a mission. Yes, you do. If you've been called to be a Christian, if you've, been, if you've made Jesus the Savior of your life, you have a mission. Glory to God. Every single one of us has a mission. And I know there, you say, well, there are just a handful of us here. I promise you, every revival I have ever studied after, for, and you know me, I study many of the past revivals, every single one of them started with this many people. Every single one of them started with a core group of people that said, enough is enough. I'm not living for myself anymore. I'm living for, I'm asking the Lord to help me bless humanity. Yes. And they would get together on Tuesday nights or whenever it was and they'd pray and they would ask the Lord to guide them and to help them and to stir the fires of revival in their town, in their region and and whatever it took to get the word out, to, to change their area, they were after it. In prayer, they were after it. And I promise you, if that becomes your heart's cry, it will change your days. 
It will change your days. It will change your nights, glory to God. Because when you wake up at 2 in the morning or when you're stuck at the airport for 6 or 7 hours, you know, all right, that's fine. I'm going to lay down here on these. Uh, on this. I've never had to lay down on an airplane row, you know, of seats before. <laughs> I've never had that much time where I could just lay down on on the uh, waiting area, in the waiting area, but I've just pulled my jacket over my head and just sat there and prayed in other tongues. Why? Because the world needs Jesus, and I'm going to stay focused on what our mission is. Praise the Lord. It will change your days. It will change your nights. Glory to God. So if you would, turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, thank you for your word. Today we are... So blessed to have your word. So grateful for all that's written in it. And we observe to do all that you show us and all that you reveal to us. Thank you for the light of the word. Thank you for helping us to see it and know it in a better way today. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Glory to God. In 2 Corinthians and, uh, chapter 3, We've kind of been uh, camping on uh, some of these verses here as, as we're led to. And let's just start here in verse 12 and, and read through some of this. Chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians, verse 12. It says, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Uh, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. Um, now, that's a whole lot of words there, but how many remember when, when Moses would spend time with the Lord, he'd go up, you know, he'd go up the mountain for 40 days. <laughs> uh, that's a lot of time, just on your own with the Lord. He'd go up the mountain, and when he came back down, his face was glowing with the glory of God. It I mean, the glory of God was so powerful in him, it was pouring out of his pores, so to speak. You know, coming out of his skin, he was glowing, radiating the glory of God. So much so that the Israelites got scared, it freaked them out. They said, whoa, whoa, that's a little too much of God than we want. So they asked him to put a veil over his face to cover up the glory of God. They said, this is too much for us to handle. And quite honestly, they were right. Without the, um, their heart change, without the ability to receive Jesus and go from death to life, it was that glory was too much for their natural man to, to uh, contain. And so um, he had to put a veil over his face to, if we could say it this way, to cover up or to dumb down the glory the presence of God mm -hmm. for the natural people that were around him. So that's what that was saying there. Um, and verse 14, it says that their minds, the Israelites' minds were hardened. They couldn't, they couldn't understand or see um, that glory the way it was meant to be seen. For to this day, when they read, talking about the Israelites, the Jew, Jewish people, when they read the Old Covenant, look at this, that same veil remains unlifted. Wow. That same veil remains unlifted. You remember uh, later on in, in 2 Corinthians 4, we read that verse about how Satan blinded 
the, he's blinded the minds of those who don't know Jesus. Well, this is talking about another group of people who do not know Jesus. He was, Paul was, you know, giving us the difference between the Jews and the Gentiles because it was a big difference back then. We, we can kind of sum them all up into people that know Christ or don't know Christ now. But, but here he's talking about, well, the Israelites, they... They say they're in covenant with God. They say they love God. But when they go to temple and hear that old covenant read, when they hear the word, even though it's the word of God, there's still a veil over their hearts. There's still a veil covering. It's still separating them. Why? Because they hadn't yet received the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? So there's a veil. It's hiding. Their, their minds are hardened. That same veil remains, and it still remains today for the Jewish people. Yes. It still remains today. You've heard my husband say it. He was raised Jewish. His, um, his father was Jewish. He was raised going to temple. He had his bar mitzvah ceremony when he was 13. But he will be the first one to tell you he was as lost as any other person that you would meet that doesn't know Jesus, just because he was from a Jewish descent did not mean, you know, there will be people that will tell you, well, they've got a special, you know, the Israelites, they have a special covenant with God, and they're okay on their own. No. Every one of us that lives on this earth needs Jesus. Amen. Jesus. Amen. Jesus. Amen. Jesus. They need to receive him in their heart. Right. Jew, Gentile, the Bible says, doesn't matter anymore. Yes. There's just in Christ, not in Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So their minds, the, the Israelites' minds, the Jewish minds were hardened for to this day, to this day, there are people that go to temple now, right? Mm -hmm. When do we, they go? Saturday, Friday night? Friday nights, they still go to temple, and they'll go, and they'll go through the religious ceremonies and the religious protocol, and their hearts are hardened. Wow. Their minds are hardened. The, the veil still remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Wow. Only through Christ. Can you say that with me? Only through Christ is it taken away. This may seem simple to you. You might say, well, I know this, but other people don't. That's the thing. Other people don't. And I've already told you about the fact that I was raised in a Protestant church. He was raised going to temple. I was raised going to a Protestant church. And I went every Sunday. And I heard, and I'll tell you, that veil was over my heart. I didn't understand. I wanted to know the Bible. I wanted to understand it, but I couldn't. Right. I couldn't. And I was looking. Listen to this. I was looking for someone to show me what this word meant. I've probably told you this before, but I mean, I so was interested in the word of God that they, um, as a teenager, I mean, I, don't, I was probably 15 years old, and they said, we're going to do a, um, they would do different book studies and things, you know, like, they, they didn't call it Bible studies, 
they would call them book studies, and, and they said, we're going to do a study on the Gospel of John. And I'm like, hey, that's a book of the Bible. Awesome. We're finally going to study a book in the Bible instead of a book about the Bible. Well, I won't get into that. But anyway, I signed up for this adult class, and they're like, are you sure? You're only 15? I'm like, yes, I want to learn about the book of John. And I got into the first day of, I don't even know when they met, but I showed up for the first thing, and we were all sitting around a table, and they passed out books. Not the Bible. They passed out somebody's book that they wrote about the gospel of John. And I was so disappointed because I wanted to read the Bible. I wanted someone to help me read the Bible because I could, I was trying to read it on my own and I couldn't figure out, there are people that you will come across every day. <laughs> I mean, you might not get to talk to them every day, but there are people you work with. There are people that you will talk with. There are people that live on your street that are so hungry to know God. They're so hungry to know the things of God. They are hungry. Even if they go to church on Sundays, they're still hungry. There's something that's lacking. And you want to be the one to be able to say, you need to be filled with the Spirit. You know, you'll, you, when you're talking to them, you'll be, you'll be able to locate what's missing. What's the missing component? What do they need next? Uh, I can lay hands on you and you can be healed. Yes. That, and, and you'll sense the power of God working in your body. And then after that happens then there's a whole lot more I can tell you about. Let's get together for coffee next week and talk some more. What are we doing? We are actively looking for people because there are so many, so many, so many, so many that need to know him or that need to know more about his word, yes. about his spirit, Amen. about redemption. And like we said, all that's provided. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. So that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Verse 15 says, yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, that veil is what? <laughs> removed. Glory to God. It's removed. Amen. Hallelujah. When I got born again, I, I mean, I didn't immediately understand everything about the scriptures. I didn't immediately know about being filled with the Spirit. I didn't immediately know what redemption held for me, what, what everything was. But I was all, immediately I was open. Amen. The veil had been lifted. Yes. Immediately I was able to understand for the first time, to see for the first time. And you'll hear people talk about it. I talk about it. When I got out of that meeting that night, we were in Albany, New York. We were up in the, in the uh, mountains, and I came out of that service, and the stars were brighter yeah. than they ever had been. The trees looked more amazing yeah. than they ever had. Everything seemed to be more in focus, uh, enlightened, uh, more... Enhanced, thank you. Why? Because a veil had just been lifted. Yes. A veil had been lifted. It was lifted off of my spirit, man. Glory to God. But it changed the way I saw physically. Wow. 
And so our challenge, because immediately, I mean immediately, as soon as I got back to where I was staying that night and laid down, immediately the enemy came and tried to talk me out of the decision I had just made. You're up here in the mountains with just a few friends. Nobody knows you're here. You don't ever have to. You can go back to school and never tell anybody what happened. Mm -hmm. You can just act like this never happened. You, you don't have to tell your parents. You, you can just go back to your normal church. Satan didn't care if I went back to my denominational church that didn't teach the word. He just was trying to talk me out of what I had just received. Wow. And I, you know, I went to bed and thought, I, I don't know what to believe, <laughs> but I know something's different, right? And so I went to bed, slept so soundly, woke up the next morning, really early in the morning, same pressure right there. What did you do last night? Why did you make that decision? You, do, you shouldn't be doing that. Don't, that's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. But the, uh, why are we talking about this? We're all saved. Because there are people you're going to come across who say, well, I, I might have received Jesus. But then they immediately let Satan talk them out of it. Right. They let him talk, him talk them out of living a life for God. Of letting their life be radically changed for the better. And that's what we're talking about when we, when we talked about Jesus uh, giving that parable about the lost sheep. Uh, Jesus said, a good shepherd's going to go after the one of the hundred that's fallen astray, that's fallen into a pit, that's gotten hurt, that's, that's gotten, gotten out from past the flock, out where the wolves are. And they're going to go after them and go after them and go after them and go after them and go after them. Glory to God until they finally make it back to the flock where they're safe. Yes. And so there's going to be people that, you know, yeah, they got born again 10 years ago, but they're not living for God. They're living just like the world is living. And so they're experiencing defeat just like the world experiences it. Right. And so it's our job to be looking, ever looking, right. ever looking, right. ever looking. Right. Lord, show me, show me today, show me today. And I imagine at some point in our series of messages on this, I will get past these verses and we'll get on to some yes. other things. But, you know, praise the Lord. I need to hear this reminder frequently. Yes. Yeah. Frequently. My job is not just nine to five Monday through Friday working with whatever God's put in your life to work with naturally. Mm -hmm. Our job, our mission, glory to God, is to reach this world. Yes. See this world as he sees it. See this world as he sees it. He sent his son Jesus to die for every single person. Amen. That lives on this earth right. for every single one. And we don't go whole overwhelmed saying, Lord, how am I supposed to reach 7 billion people? He didn't ask you to reach 7 billion people. He asked the church, That's right. the, the church, the whole church of the Lord Jesus Christ mm -hmm. to be reaching, stretching, looking. If we all, every one of us, will do our part, glory to God, 
doesn't your body function the best when everything is working? <laughs> what if I, I was walking the dogs a few weeks back and uh, they saw some other dogs and I had both leashes in one hand and they got tangled and, you know, it took a, it took a good three weeks for this one finger <laughs> to come back to normal. <laughs> you know, I had to talk to it every morning. I'd wake up, it would feel stiff. I'm like, nope, 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 you're going to be normal. One finger, yes. one wrist, one, one part of your body that's been hurt or um, put, you know, incapacitated in some way, it affects the whole body. It affects the whole body. So why are we preaching this message to everyone? Why isn't it just the minister's job to reach the lost? And you know, if I have a friend, I might bring him to church and then you can get him saved. No, no, that's fine. If you have a friend, you can bring him to church and we can get him saved. But there's so much more than that. There's so much more than that. As I told you, when the moment I got saved, the enemy tried to talk me out of everything I just received. It's just more than praying a prayer with somebody. It's going after them until they are experiencing the fullness that you're experiencing and beyond. Amen. I mean, there was one time in our uh, previous church in New York where I had a gal come up to me and, you know, she had come, she was very young in the things of the Lord when she came to the church and she had been there for several years and wa watched her grow and, you know, reach out for, for um, healing and reach out for fullness of the spirit and, and just grow in leaps and bounds and praying and everything. And she started coming to me and telling me about, you know, the Lord was showing, showing me this and, and I was able to minister to this person at work and I was able to do this. And she's just out there doing what Jesus told us to do. Yeah. And the more she's talking, the more I'm thinking, I better get with it. <laughs> or you know, this disciple of mine is going to be outshining me here in a second because she's doing more for the gospel right now than I am. Just getting up and getting my kids on the school bus and getting to work at the mall or wherever I was working at the time and, and then getting there and doing kids' church at church. And, you know, I, I was doing what I was supposed to do, but I wasn't seeking the lost like she was. I wasn't looking. I didn't have the Father's heart about me throughout my day. And that little gal there talking to me, I mean, the whole time she's talking, I'm going, yeah, that's awesome. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, Amy, you better get moving. <laughs> you better get moving. You better not let somebody that's underneath you uh, be doing more for you, more than you in the kingdom, right? I want you all to be challenging me. I want you all to be bringing me stories of who you've talked to and who you've ministered to so that it makes me go home and say, Lord, uh, uh, you know, I I'll do more. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Bring people in. Bring, you know, talk to them about the things of God. Tell them about the love of Jesus. Don't be goofy and weird. Hallelujah. Right. But, but as we said um, a, a couple weeks back now, People will feel uncomfortable when you start talking to them about the things of Jesus, That's right. the things of the Lord. That's okay. I felt uncomfortable when people talked to me about it. My husband, uh, he, he didn't only just feel uncomfortable, he started cursing them and telling them to leave them alone, praise the Lord. But 
but the point is, if you're getting a reaction from them, it's because you're making an effect. Yes. That's right. Amen. It may not be a nice reaction. But you are making an effect. Mm. Praise the Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Verse 16, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Mm -hmm. Once that veil is removed, if you're around someone, you pray with them to receive the Lord Jesus, or you just meet them and, and they've just learned about the things of God, we need to protect the fact that that veil was removed. What do we mean? We need to make sure that the light can still shine yes. and that right. Satan doesn't try to come and pull that out of him. Yes. Right. Right. Does that make sense to you? I mean, I understand once you receive Jesus, he's yours, praise the Lord. But we understand this. There's so much more than one prayer to pray. That's there right. is a life to gain. Amen. There are things to learn. And the enemy will do everything he can to keep blinders on people. You know, you know those horses, you know, the, 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 the horses that are on uh, like in New York City or something, when you, you get on, on there to take a little tour of the city or something, horse-drawn carriage, what do they put on those horses? They put blinders, right? They put blinders so that the, the stuff in their peripheral vision doesn't affect their focus yes. to move forward. Right. Well, we want, as Christians, we want to have blinders and just be looking forward to the things of the spirit, right? The things of the word. But the enemy will try to immediately put blinders back on people. If he can't take, um, you know, if the veil's been removed from their heart and he can't put that back over their heart, he will immediately come and try and put at least some type of blinder on them. Oh, you don't want to go to that church. Oh, you don't want to speak in tongues. Oh, you, you don't want to get, you know, I honestly, honestly, I had a, a man that was, um, who I had grown up in, the, in my church. He was one of, not the, the founding fathers, but he was one of the elders. You know, he was, he was one of the, the men that everybody looked to for, for advice and for help. And he was just one of those men in the community that people looked to. And he sat there after I came home from a school and I'd been saved about a year and I was telling him, you know, um, you know, I accepted Jesus and I'm learning so much about the Bible and he's really changing the way I, I think about things and he's helping me in my life. And this man who I had looked up to and admired as a kid said, well, now you don't want to go too far with the Bible. You, you don't want to take that too far, Amy. You, you know, you can get out there. And looking back on it now, I'm thinking, he probably wasn't even saved. He didn't know the word. All he knew were the people that, that said they got born again. You know, they started acting different than he ever acted. And so you don't want that. Satan will put people around those who have just received Christ to try and, try and box them back into the life that he had had them in before. There may be a little bit of light in their heart, but without us around them mm -hmm. to help them to see and disciple them and show them what the word says and show them how to be free, mm -hmm. they will stay in the same box they lived in their whole life. Mm -hmm. 
And they'll say, well, they said this thing, you know, if I would give my heart to Jesus, life would change, but it hasn't. And you can't blame them. There was no one there to help them to see, to help them to grow. Isn't that the part of the local church? Yes, it is. But so many people, when my husband first got born again, he didn't know he was raised going to temple. He didn't know you were supposed to go to church on Sunday morning. So he spent months and months and months without going to church because no one ever told him, hey, why don't we go to church? That's what Christians do. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go sit under a pastor and we're supposed to get fed and we're supposed to grow. That's right. Hallelujah. Is this okay this morning? I don't want to be good. Hallelujah. Verse 17. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Wherever you go with the spirit of God, there is freedom with you. You are authorized to help set people free with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are authorized to tell them that there's a better way, there's a new way, there's a, there's a better life ahead of you. And they're going to tell you, well, I've already received Jesus. I already go to church. You'll say, yes, I know, but there's more. But there's more. But there's more. But there's more. You are authorized, glory to God, to bring freedom to people with the Spirit of God. And we all with unveiled face, glory to God, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. What image? The image of Christ. We are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Glory to God, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Our job as Christians, yes, come to church. Yes, hear the word. Yes, be doers of the word. But honestly, our job is to be moving forward from one degree of glory to another. And here's the point that it took me all this time to just even get to. Christianity as a whole in the past decade or two has decided that in order to reach the lost, we have to look like the lost, we have to act like the lost, we have to talk like the lost, we have to live like the lost. Yeah, yeah. And then when we get, get down low enough to where the lost are, then we can tell them, hey, there's Jesus. But they don't see anything different about the way these people live from the way they live. They don't see anything different about what they drink from what, you know, from what the Christians drink from what they drink. They don't see anything different about how they party on Friday night and from what they do on Friday night. They don't see anything different. And I promise you that is the biggest lie of the enemy that he's fed to the church. Yes. Amen. Why? Because this verse tells me that as a Christian, I'm supposed to be getting brighter and brighter, Brighter, moving from glory to glory 
to glory. I am supposed to start changing myself to be looking more and more like Christ. So when I go home to my, to my birthplace in Buffalo, New York, uh, you know, once a year, they should be saying, whoa, she's even brighter than she was last time. Whoa, she's even more different than we are uh, then we then we saw her last time. Whoa, what's going on with her? Why why is she always changing and looking better and not not physically better, but but there's light coming out of her. There's freedom, there's life, there's something different. And every time we see them, they increase. Yes. They Amen. increase. They Amen. increase. Our job, church, is to move from glory to glory to glory to glory Amen. so that when we walk into a place that we've been a thousand times before, someone says, whoa. whoa. Amen. Amen. And just like Moses, there are going to be natural people that, whoa, you shine too bright. Put yeah. something over your face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amen. Praise Amen. the Lord. This is not just for preachers. That's no. right. It is not just for ministers of the gospel. It is for every single one of us to be glowing, radiating with the glory of God, carrying all that God has given us to a dying generation. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. From glory to glory, we are to move. Amen. Amen. We'll have to finish this some other time. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible talks about us being vessels of honor. Yes. Amen. Vessels of honor. It's our job to make our vessel more and more honorable as we go. The more honorable we make our vessel, the more God can pour through. The more God can pour through, the more light people will see. Mm -hmm. The more light that shines out from you, the more the veils that Satan has put and blinded, the more the blinders that he has tried to put over uh, unbelievers and believers alike will start to break And I promise you, when their hearts get touched with the light of God, mm-hmm. they will want more. Yes. Right, right. They will want more. And there is nothing so amazing as grabbing the hands of somebody and showing them, leading them in a prayer to gain more. Why don't you stand to your feet? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we are so grateful today for your word. Lord, help us to see your world as you see it. Help us to see the people that you have created as you see them. Father, help us to love this land these people that we come across every day the way you love them. And Lord, lead us as a shepherd would be led to go find the lost and bring them in to the fold. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your help.
Thank you for the help of the Spirit. Thank you for the help of the Comforter. Thank you for the help and the wisdom and the mind of Christ. And we thank you. We say today that we will be doers of this word. We will be reaching for those who need you. And we determine to do it with our whole heart. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We shall catch them. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.